Chapter Nineteen of The House with the Twisting Passage by Marion St. John Webb. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Zanusha. The House with the Twisting Passage by Marion St. John Webb. Chapter 19 Phil the Fiddler's Story. If you don't like fairy tales, shut the door and go away, said Phil the Fiddler, running his fingers through his long white hair and placing his flute on the mantelpiece. Jenny still called him Phil the Fiddler because he was just as she had imagined him. "'only he played a flute instead of a violin. "'But I do like fairy tales, please,' said Jenny, shyly, "'standing on one leg by the open door. "'Then come in, dearie, and I'll tell you one,' said the old gentleman, "'sinking down into a big armchair and patting one of the padded arms. "'Jenny closed the door and came and sat on the arm of the chair.' "'Well, it's not exactly a fairy tale,' the old gentleman went on, "'because there are no fairies in it, "'but there are witches and dwarfs and strange brown canvas bags "'and a little girl, a bit older than you, dearie, "'and the story is called The Bag of Dreams.' "'The Bag of Dreams.' "'Tap, tap, 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 "'against the window-pane. "'Annette's grandmother moved uneasily in her chair by the fire "'and stuck the needle quicker and quicker "'in and out of the brown canvas she was sewing. "'Tomorrow I'll get that creeper cut for sure,' she muttered, "'glancing sideways at her little granddaughter, "'who was sitting reading in the chimney-corner. "'How the gal rattles it against the window!' Annette remembered her grandmother making these remarks times without number, and yet, when the morrow came, nothing was done to the creeper. And then one day Annette discovered that the creeper did not grow near enough to the window to tap against it even on the stormiest night. She made this discovery on the day before her thirteenth birthday. She and her grandmother lived alone in a little cottage on the top of a windswept hill. Annette was a lonely, dreamy little thing who had to depend on herself or her books for entertainment as she was forbidden to go down to the village at the bottom of the hill and play with the children there. Her grandmother taught her to read and write and sew, but she hated sewing and much preferred to read. Long hours she would spend on the side of the hill with a story-book for company, and though she longed sometimes to go down and speak to the children she could see in the village far below, she never disobeyed her grandmother, because she was very much afraid of her. Always, it seemed to Annette, her grandmother was sitting by the fire, sewing brown canvas and muttering to herself. She told Annette once, that she was making bags, which she sold, and so earned a little money to keep them both in food and fuel. Annette was quite satisfied, 
she asked a few questions of her grandmother. Then, the day before her thirteenth birthday, Annette was sitting on the hillside reading as usual, when the sound of voices floated clearly up to her on the still air. Two of the villagers gathering violets had wandered farther up than usual. There, let's turn back now. I never go farther up than this because of the old witch on the top, said one. Very well, said the other. My basket's nearly full anyhow. By the way, what has become of that little grandchild of the old witch? I haven't seen her on the hill lately. I suppose she's never allowed to come down and mix with other children in case she finds out what her grandmother is before she is meant to know. Folk do say that she is going to become a witch too some day. What do you think? Their voices died away in the distance, leaving Annette very frightened at what she had overheard, though she could scarcely believe that it was true. However, she hastened home to find out. But when she saw her grandmother sitting by the fire sewing, she felt afraid to tell her what she had heard, in case it made her angry. So Annette determined to wait and watch and listen. Annette wandered away in the garden to think things over. She began to remember how curiously her grandmother watched her whenever the tapping sounded on the window-pane. And then, for the first time, she noticed that the creeper could not touch the window, and marvelled that she had never found this out before. But, of course, she had never had the slightest suspicion until now. She tried to recall anything else that was curious in her grandmother's behaviour, but she could think of nothing except that one of the stairs creaked very loudly as she, Annette, went up to bed every night, and that her grandmother always left the kitchen door ajar until she heard her tread on this stair, and then called good-night and shut the door. After this, Annette always became dead tired immediately, and, tumbling up the last few stairs and into bed, remembered nothing more till she awoke in the morning. Being in a suspicious mood, Annette wondered if this stair was connected with her sudden tiredness of the night, though she had never thought of anything of the kind before. Anyway, I won't tread on it tonight, just to see if it makes any difference, she made up her mind, but I will take a thick stick with me, and push the stair, so that Grandmother shall hear it creak, and then I will find out what she does when she thinks I am asleep. So the stair creaked as usual when Annette went up to bed that night, and her grandmother, with her ear to the crack of the kitchen door, chuckled and closed the door, quite satisfied. Annette crept up to her bedroom and sat for a while by the open window, listening. She did not feel the least bit sleepy, and was glad that she had discovered the reason of her sudden tiredness each night and at the same time she felt puzzled and vaguely afraid, for it seemed without doubt that her grandmother must be a witch. She could hear her moving about in the kitchen below, and presently there came sounds of chink, 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 as if money were being counted, 
a lot of money. Annette did not know her grandmother had any money. She had always understood that she was very poor, although she worked so hard at her sewing. After a while Annette heard the back door unfastened, and her grandmother go out into the garden. It was a moonlight night. She could see her from the window, hobbling down the garden path, carrying under her arms several of the brown canvas bags. Suddenly, from out of the shadows by the gate, there appeared four little dwarf men. "'You shouldn't knock so often on the window. She'll begin to suspect,' Annette heard her grandmother say. "'Well, we must have the bags, and we have to remind you we're waiting. You grow slower and slower in making them every day,' grumbled one of the dwarfs. "'What does it matter if she does suspect?' said another. You'll be telling her soon. She's thirteen tomorrow, said the grandmother. Time she took over your work, then, said a third dwarf. You're getting old, you know. But let's see what you've got for us tonight. They then began to examine the bags, and to bargain and haggle with the old woman as to the price to be paid and very soon they were all five very angry and quarrelsome. "'Shh!' said the fourth dwarf presently. "'Supposing we wake her up?' "'Supposing we fiddlesticks!' snapped Annette's grandmother. "'We couldn't wake her up. "'The stair creaked as usual, I tell you.' They resumed their bargaining, until finally they came to some decision, and the four little dwarfs departed, each carrying one of the empty brown canvas bags. Annette watched them pass through the gate and went their way down the hill to a group of trees by the roadside, where they disappeared. Meanwhile, her grandmother came indoors, chuckling, and shut herself in the kitchen. Poor little Annette! What was she to do? It was evidently true, then, that her grandmother was a witch. What dreadful fate awaited herself on the morrow? She wished she knew what those bags were used for, the brown canvas bags that her grandmother was always sewing. I must try to find out, thought Annette. She crept downstairs, carefully missing the stair that creaked, and let herself noiselessly out into the garden. As she passed the kitchen door, she could hear the chinking of money, and her grandmother muttering to herself. Once outside, Annette ran quickly down the path, through the gate, and made her way to the place where the dwarfs had disappeared. As she approached, she could hear voices, so she hesitated in the shadow of the first tree. A short distance away she saw the four dwarfs sitting in a circle on the ground, talking earnestly, the bags on the grass beside them. Two of the bags were still flat and empty, but the other two appeared to be partly filled with some strange, moving objects. What could be inside them? Annette gazed, fascinated. The dwarfs were evidently finishing a serious discussion. "'Well, well, what does it matter?' said one. "'Tomorrow little Annette will be told her fate, and then—' "'Poor child,' 
remarked another sympathetically. "'Why, poor child?' asked the first speaker irritably. "'She is so young and fresh and pretty,' came the answer. "'It is sad to think of her sitting always by the fire, sewing these dream-bags, "'and growing old and cross and ugly, with no friends, no companion but her grandmother, "'and shunned by all good folk because she is a witch.' Annette shivered and pressed closer to the tree-trunk. "'Very sad, very sad,' mocked a third dwarf. "'But after all, it is her fate.' And he shrugged his shoulders as if it were no concern of his. "'You must remember that being a witch has its attractions,' the fourth dwarf chimed in. "'Think of the delight of knowing the secret of how to make dream-bags.' Think of the gold pieces you can earn. At which they all laughed. My word, but the old un does know how to drag the gold pieces out of us. We shall be beggars soon. The price she charges for these new bags. He pulled a long face, then sprang to his feet. But come along, we must be off. He seized one of the partly filled bags. See? he continued. I've picked up a few already, but there's lots more to do before dawn. Come along. And he moved away. Another dwarf picked up the other partly filled bag, but he was careless, and as he flung it over his shoulder, the cord that tied the opening slipped, and the bag opened. Whoa, there's one nearly out. Bother it's got away, he exclaimed fastening the bag hastily. Annette, peering, saw something glide from the bag and float away, something that looked like a wisp of grey smoke. It twisted and twirled lazily, rising higher and higher, till it disappeared over the treetops. "'Never mind, it will return at dawn,' said the dwarf consolingly to himself as he departed. The third dwarf, with one of the empty bags, followed quickly on the hills of the other two. There remained only the dwarf who had pitied Annette, and he was slowly gathering up his bag. On the impulse of the moment, Annette stepped out of the shadow as he moved away, and called to him. The dwarf turned quickly and dropped his bag in astonishment. "'Oh, please, sir!' she cried. "'I'm Annette, and I heard what you said, and oh, I don't want to be a witch, sir. Could you help me? Help me to escape? You seemed so kind. Please, please tell me what to do.' "'Why, little Annette, we never guessed you were near. What is it you wish me to do for you?' asked the kindly dwarf. "'Just to help me to escape,' begged Annette so that I may never, never see my grandmother again. I am so frightened of her. Alas, said the dwarf, you cannot run away. Your grandmother would always find you and bring you back. It is your fate to become a witch, like her, and to sit and sew dream-bags. Then he went on to tell her how her grandmother, being a witch, had discovered long ago the secret of how to make dream-bags. 
those magic bags in which dreams could be caught, and as it was the business of the dwarfs to catch and distribute dreams, these bags were invaluable to them. When a bag is full of dreams, said the dwarf, we go down among the sleeping children and scatter the dreams about, so that the children dream the dreams which we have caught for them. And when they have finished with a dream and wake up, the dream floats back to us again, and we pack it away in the bags for further use. We can use one dream over and over again, you know, he continued. We have stacks and stacks of bags full of old dreams, but we are always catching new ones as well, so we need fresh bags constantly. They are wonderful dreams, some of them, and wonderful magic bags to hold them and keep them fresh. Think on it. It can be good work making these bags if you sow with love in your heart instead of greed, greed for gold. Think how much happiness dreams can give to children. Some people would envy you, you who are fated to learn the secret of sewing dream bags. But I hate sewing, cried Annette, and I'd hate to be a witch and grow old like grandmother. You would make untold wealth, of course said the dwarf. Your grandmother has. Do you know that she has boxes and sacks full to the brim with gold and silver? Has she? said Annette. But what is the good of it? The dwarf was silent. Oh, sir, is there no escape for me? begged Annette. There is one way out, began the dwarf slowly. "'Oh, do tell me,' broke in Annette eagerly. "'You could creep inside my bag and become a dream. "'You would float away, away at night into the minds of sleeping children "'and play with them and laugh with them and make them happy. "'And when the dawn broke, you would return to the dream bag "'and rest until the next night.' Annette's eyes grew big and round, and she clapped her hands delightedly. Then her face became grave. And should I never be a little girl, like I am now any more? The dwarf shook his head. But it is your only way of escape, he said. You have your choice, and I am risking a great deal in telling you this, but... Well, I am sorry for you, little Annette and think you ought to have a chance. At that moment Annette heard a gate bang loudly, and then the voice of her grandmother calling, Annette! Annette! You naughty girl! Where have you got to? Come this instant! Her grandmother had missed her already. Annette peeped out from the trees, and saw the old woman coming down the hill. How old and cross and ugly her grandmother looked! How dreadful to grow like that! Annette looked up to the clear night sky and remembered the wisp of smoke floating carelessly away in the air. How free and fresh it must be to be a dream and play with little children like herself until the dawn. 
Then she looked down at the silent waiting dwarf and the brown canvas bag. Annette, called her grandmother's harsh voice nearby. What a plague the child is! Where can she be hiding? Annette! Annette turned to the dwarf. Open the bag, quick, she said. I have decided. So Annette crept inside the bag and turned into a dream, and her grandmother never saw her any more. And every night Annette floats out and away, and laughs and plays with other little children until the dawn breaks. End of chapter 19